See, for me, the cool part about that story are two things. They said it. God is good and we have hope. Amen? You see, apart from the resurrection, that story cannot happen. It's because of the resurrection that story happens. It's because of the power that's in God through Christ Jesus at the resurrection that story happens. And so many other stories like that this morning. But I pose the question, what if there was never a resurrection? What if there was never a resurrection? What if there was never an Easter Sunday? Paul addresses that here in the text. If there was never a resurrection, we'd be in trouble, correct? But I wonder, do we live our lives as if there was never a resurrection already? Like, do we profess the resurrection but our lives say there was no resurrection. I believe that's more the case in the church than the first. I believe that our mouths profess the resurrection, but our lives do not profess the resurrection. You see, Jesus said over and over and over in the Gospels that he was what? In John eleven twenty five, 25, he says this, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Paul, in the previous verses, in verses 3 and 4 in this text, he says this, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received. So he's saying, I'm going to give you what was given to me, and this is the most important thing that I can give you. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. It doesn't end there, though. You see, the first and most important thing isn't just his death for our sins. That he was buried. It's not just that he was buried, but that he was raised on the third day accordance to the Scriptures. That's our great hope is the resurrection. You, you see, if you turn with me for a moment to the book of Matthew, you see the people of the day took Jesus' words very serious. Right? Jesus had been professing over and over and over again that he was the resurrection, that he would die and in three days he'd be raised from the dead. You remember that all throughout the Gospels. He says that. So much so that it scares the priest and the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 27. They go to Pilate and they say to Pilate in verse 63, Sir, we remembered how the imposter, not Christ, not the Savior, the imposter, the fake, the fraud said, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure. So even the priest and even the Pharisees took Jesus' words very serious. So much so they went to the man that killed him and said, hey, this guy, he is either legit or he's crazy. So we're going to err on the side of him being legit. So put a guard in front of the tomb. Right? You know the story at the resurrection. The story at the resurrection. The angel of God shows up and freaks. The, 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 he just totally terrifies the soldier. So much so the soldier falls out. And then the stone is rolled away. And then the resurrected Christ emerges from the tomb. But again, I pose the question, what if the resurrection never happened? What if this resurrected Christ never rose from the dead? Yes, sure, he died on the cross. Sure, he lived a good life. 
But man, he never came out of the tomb that Easter morning. I want to look at seven things. Seven disastrous consequences if the resurrection never happened. The first one is found in verses 13 and 16 of uh, 1 Corinthians. Turn back to 1 Corinthians with me. Remember, Paul is saying to the church of Corinth that believed, he's saying to them in the first verse, verse 12, he says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as risen from the dead, how can you, some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So he's not talking to unbelievers in this passage. Catch that. He's talking to the believer of the church of Corinth, and he's saying to them, hey, your lives don't profess the resurrection. And let me tell you, church, is what Paul is saying, what the consequences of that have in your life and in my life as the church. So he says, if there was never a resurrection, these are the seven things that would happen. The first would be this, verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead then not even Christ has been raised. In verse 16, he says it again. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. So over and over in this text, verses uh, 12 through 16, we see over and over again the idea about Christ being raised. If Christ had not been raised, then what? In verse 14 it says, then their preaching is vain. If Christ had not been raised, then their faith is in vain. If Christ has not been raised, then they misrepresent who God is. If Christ hasn't been raised, then their faith isn't just, is it, uh, just isn't in vain, but it's pointless. It's futile. If Christ hadn't been raised, then all those who had fallen asleep had fer- perished. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then we of all people must be pitied. You see, if there was no resurrection of the dead, then there is no risen Christ. You see, we got to start there. That's the first point. If there's never a resurrection, then we still have a Savior that's still dead in a tomb somewhere. You see, that's what separates us, the believer, from every other world religion on the planet. You can go all over the world and see all the bones of past saviors. But what separates us from all others, is that we do have a resurrected Christ. And there are no bones in the tomb. Amen? But yet our lives profess that there's still a full tomb full of bones, is my fear. Jesus said this. He said this in Revelation chapter 1. When I saw him, this is John speaking of what he saw about Jesus. I fell at his feet as though I was dead, but he laid on his right hand on me and said, Fear not, for I am the first and the last, the living one, catch that, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forever and ever and ever. And because I am alive, I have the gates, the keys of the gates of hell. That's because we have a risen Savior. You see, if we don't have a risen Savior, then then the rest of what we're going to talk about this morning is pointless. Because if we don't have a risen Savior, then the second point is this, that what I'm preaching today is pointless. That what every other Christian pastor this morning is preaching is pointless if there is no 
risen Savior. That's what he tells us in chapter 15, verse 14. I just read that a few moments ago. And if Christ has not been raised, then what our preaching is in vain. Our preaching is pointless, is what the Greek renders. And so then what he just said to us, and what I read a few moments ago, for I received from you, to you, of first importance, what I've received, that Christ is dead, died for your sins according to the Scriptures. You see, if that is not true, that we have a risen Savior, then the gospel is not the gospel. You see, the gospel means good news, but the gospel is only good news because of a risen Savior. So if we don't have the gospel, we don't have bad, good news, we have bad news. Right? If there is no resurrection from the dead. Without the resurrection, the good news is pointless. Without the resurrection, the gospel is empty and not good. And isn't what Mike and Michelle said, there is no hope in that gospel if the preaching about the resurrection is not true. It would all be a hoax. It would all be a show. It would all be pointless. It would be the rest of the Bible outside of the Gospels. The rest of the Bible would be pointless because everything after the Gospels points back to what? The resurrection. That's what Paul talks about. That's what the writers of Acts talks about. That's what the writers of Hebrews talk about. It's all about the resurrection. All that they preached was about the resurrection. And so if there is no resurrection, then you can take out Acts to Revelation in the Bible. There is no New Testament without what? The resurrection. So our preaching would be pointless. It would be meaningless. Not only would our preaching be pointless and meaningless, he says what in verse 14? But also your faith is pointless. You see, the only reason that we have faith is because of the resurrection. All of our faith hinges on one thing, the resurrection. Everything that we believe to be true, Christian, hinges on what? An empty tomb, the resurrection. But if there was no empty tomb, then we would have no faith. So even the thing that we call faith hinges on one thing, the resurrection. The next thing that we see is this. Our faith is not created or sustained. It is increased not by the looking at other people, but it's increased by looking at the empty tomb. The next thing that we see is this. Not only is our preaching in vain, not only is our faith in vain, but all the witnesses between now and the resurrection would be one thing. Liars. Like all this thing that we call Christianity would be hinged on what we would call a lie if there is no resurrection. So we're saying 2,000 years, if there is no resurrection, then for 2,000 years, people have been lying about the day that we celebrate today. That's what he tells us in verse 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because what we testify, we being the apostles, have testified about God, that God did what? Raised him from the dead. 
So we, the believer, if there is no gospel, if there is no good news, if there is no resurrection, then we go on professing a lie about the very character and nature of who God is. That's dangerous. But God made us a promise back through the Old Testament. You see it in the Old Testament. It's fulfilled in the New Testament that what would happen? The resurrection. And so if there is no resurrection, then the the founders of our faith are liars. And we sit here based on a lie. That ought to terrify us if there is no resurrection. Now he's going to get real personal. It says this, if there is no resurrection, what happens in verse 17? We'll read verse 16. If there is no resurrection, for the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ is not raised, then what? Your faith is futile, and what? You are what? You are still in sin. You see, it's only because of an empty tomb, the resurrection, are you forgiven of your sins. Because if there was no, what? resurrection then you would still be condemned of your sin because it's only by the risen savior that wipes away your sin and so if there is no resurrection you and I are still doomed you see it's not just the cross that we celebrate it's not just his death that we celebrate you see the cross anyone could have died anybody could have died and said, hey, I'm taking on your sins. Anyone could have said that. We see that in all the other world religions, that, hey, you, I'll die in your place and take on your sins, but there was no, what, conquering of death that is automatic with sin. And so because of the resurrection, we are forgiven of our sin. But if there is no resurrection, we are still in our sin problem with no solution. You see, there is no solution apart from the resurrection for your waywardness and my waywardness. If Jesus did not die, then sin would still have victory over us. If Jesus did not die, if he remained dead, then what? It would be true to you and me what he says in Romans. For the wages of sin is death. There would be no but to the rest of that verse. You see, for the wages of sin is death, but what the gift of God is eternal life through the resurrection. So without the resurrection, we still are only in the front half of Romans chapter 6, verse 23. We are still dead in our trespasses. You see, the rest of these verses would not make sense. Romans chapter 4, verse 24 through 25 But for you and for me, for us also, it ought to be counted to us who believe in him who raised him from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and and what raised for our justification. You see, he died for our sins, but he was raised for your justification and my justification. It's the risen Savior that justifies us. It's not the cross that justifies us. It's the power of the resurrection that justifies us. Acts 5 says this, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as the leader and Savior to what? Give repentance to Israel for all of the sins. 
You see, it's because of his resurrection that he sits on the throne. It's not his death that he sits on the throne. It's because of the resurrection. Here's what one writer had to say. He said this, if Jesus stayed dead, there are only two possible conclusions. Either he was not the sinless person everyone thought him to be, and his death was marked, his death marked his final separation from God, or he might be without personal sin, but his attempts to atone for the sin of the world by his death did not meet the, div- the divine approval. You see what the writer's saying there. He's saying if it's just his death, it's not sufficient. And if he was sinless, it's just not sufficient. It's his resurrection that ties it all together that gives us both justification and sanctification. He says this is another thing that would be true if there was no resurrection in verse 18. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If there is no resurrection, there is no hope after this life. You see, what he's saying is all of our forefathers and everyone that's died from this moment on till the cross, till the resurrection, if there was no resurrection, then they're all dead. There is no eternity. There is no eternity without the resurrection. They have all perished. There is no hope, as Mike and Michelle pointed out to us. There is no goodness and hope without the resurrection. We are still damned. And the last one is this. It's the saddest one for me out of all of them. It's what he says in verse 19. If there is no resurrection, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, If in this life only, Christ is our only hope for this life and this life only, Paul says this, we are of all people most to be pitied. If there is no resurrection. Like if all that we hinge our life on and everything that we say to be true is just for this life and this life only, then we are to be pitied. If If the resurrection is not true, I would say this. Go live however you want to live. Like that's what Paul is saying. You're better off just going and living a wild, crazy life if there is no resurrection. And so this morning, if you don't believe in the resurrection, I would say to you, go live however you want. If there's no resurrection, because if there's no resurrection, then there can't be judgment. If there's no judgment, live how you want to live. But the resurrection is going to point us back to the judgment of God because that's the only way at the judgment of God that God can say to you and me, you are justified because of a risen Savior. But if there is no risen Savior, then there can be no condemnation and there can be no judgment for those who have no hope. So I submit to you, if you don't believe in the resurrection, live however you want. Wow it out. Go crazy. But I want to submit to you this morning, there is the resurrection. There is the resurrection. Here's what C.S. Lewis said before I get to there is the resurrection. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher. 
but I don't accept the claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who says the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. Like think about all the things that Jesus said. If he really said what he said, he would be well beyond a moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says that he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. Either Christ is who he says he is, or he is a madman. Like, think about the things Jesus said. I'm the bread of life. What? Like, if I came out here and said, hey man, I'm bread, you'd be like, man, go check him in somewhere. If I said, I'm the resurrection, I'm the son of God, I'm the forgiver from God. If, If you say all the things that Christ said, you'd be a cuckoo in the cuckoo's nest. Like, you'd be crazy. So he can't just be a good moral teacher. He's either a madman or he's Lord and Savior. You must make a choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God or he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him his being a great human teacher he has not left that us for us to to talk about to be open about he either is who he says he is or he's crazy He either is the Son of God, He either is the risen Lord, He is the Savior of the world, or He's crazy. And if He is who He says He is, and He is the Son of God, and He's the risen Savior, and He's given you life and me life, then we have this. We are all forgiven and justified because of what Christ did for us on the cross. Amen? If God is who He says He is in Christ Jesus, we have a friend that stands in the courtroom for us, declaring us righteous and holy and innocent because of what he's done. If he is who he says he is, then he's our God. He's unchanging. He follows us and leads us all the steps of our life. If he is who he says he is, then we aren't to be pitied. We have evidence of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of the word of God. And last but not least, if he is who he says he is, the risen Savior, then you and I have everlasting joy, hope, and life, and life to the full. But I say this, In closing, if there is no resurrection, we ought to be pitied. And so this morning, I beg you this question. Do your mouths simply profess the resurrection? Yes, I believe in a risen Lord. Or does your actions profess a risen Lord and Savior? You see, we have to have both. And I say this to you unashamedly this morning. We do have a risen Christ. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. There is no tomb full of bones. We celebrate an empty tomb this morning. Praise God for the resurrection today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen. Let us pray. God, through your son Jesus, as what was said in a testimony before it ever got started, God, that you are good and you give us hope. You are a good God. You are a hopeful God. I'm so grateful that this morning, God, we claim 
to know without a shadow of doubt that the tomb is empty, God. And we come this morning, this Easter morning, to proclaim a risen Christ, an empty tomb, God. God, I pray if there's anyone in here that does not know you as a risen Savior and Lord of their life, God, that this would be the very moment, God, that you, as you say, would draw all men to yourself because of an empty tomb. God, I pray for anyone in here this morning, God, does not feel the power and the freedom of what it means to live a life in you, that you would boldly claim to them, just like you did through Paul in Galatians, that there is now freedom for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that we would live free lives because of an empty tomb. I pray that we would live hope-filled lives because of an empty tomb. I pray that we would live grace-filled lives because of an empty tomb. I pray, God, that we would live lives boldly for Jesus Christ because of all that he's done for us. God, continue to lead us. Let us celebrate this morning this empty tomb. There is the resurrection. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you're here this morning and you don't know 